Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 20. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. And here we are. This is episode 83 of the Operator Podcast. I am Robert J. O'Neill, former Navy SEAL, former SEAL Team 6 operator, and this podcast is designed for me to say what I think is going on as a former special operator and current operator of whatever in the hell it is that I do for a living, and uh, tell you what I think my opinion is on everything from current events to sports to history, and then I want to hear from you on social media. Tell me what you think, and I will retort and if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. And if you're wrong, you should admit it too. And a lot of that happens on the internet. Casual arguments, and then we're all friends. And that's a lie. But um, yeah, that's what we do here. There's a lot to talk about this week. The border bill, the way that D.C. does stuff, politics, the way they word stuff, the voters. The Super Bowl um, is coming up, which would be fun. It's in Vegas. I guess a suite there uh, for Vegas, for the Super Bowl in Vegas came in around uh, 2.5 million. I don't even know the size of that suite. But um, that's a good chunk of change for a game. I hope I'm right. I'm not going. I'm going to watch it here. Um, do I have a prediction? I do think the 49ers are going to win by at least 10 points. I'm not betting that, but I will. If you hit me up at, at Makuya or at the Operator Podcast on Instagram, that's the one that is not restricted. At Makuya is restricted. M C H O O Y A H. I did just switch it though from a business account back to a personal account because nobody at Meta answers me why they restricted me, and I thought maybe I I don't know. <laughs> it just it just seems like the thing to do. I like social media because I have a good reach to people, and I like to tell you exactly what I think, and I'm usually right. I'm sometimes right. But, I mean, okay, I guarantee you we will have fun. Right or wrong, we'll have a good time. But tell me what you think. Um, at the Operator Podcast on Instagram, I'm growing that one. It hasn't been restricted yet. And also go check out Twitter, too. I have been reading some comments lately because I haven't been saying too much controversial. So uh, some of the um, responses and retweets or re-Xs or reposts, whatever they call it, have been good. Uh, they're fun. And I do like to... Uh, it's fun to communicate with people. The bots get old. I get tired of the bots. And they're out there. Both sides have them. If you if you hit a trigger word or set off the algorithm, they will attack you. You can usually tell the bots, too, because if you go to, like, the media thing where you can see pictures, it's usually the same bullshit over and over and over. And they um, uh, that's just the way the bots work. I think. I'm not a bot. Um, I do troll, I guess, sometimes. Trolling, fishing, whatever it is. Uh, it's good. So, uh 
Yeah, that's that. Today, here's a good one. Speaking of communicating with me on social media, because this will be a challenge. Uh, I broke out one of my shirts that one of my fellow red men made, the tribe, Red Squadron, at my former command, um, made these shirts. And up front, it says STMFVI, which obviously stands for SEAL Team Motherfucking Six. This is a very unique special edition. I don't think they make this anymore. If you're in the Virginia Beach or Nafik area, or maybe some made it out to San Diego, there's something on the back of this shirt. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it says. It's worthy of being canceled. It's probably offensive. But at the time it was made, my friends and I, because you got to figure... At that point in my life, when I was a Navy SEAL in the Navy, we were fighting a few different wars and a few different contingencies. We were, you know, at war in Iraq and Afghanistan, but we were shooting fuckers in other places too, to include, I don't know, Somalia, Yemen, Pakistan, stuff like that. Uh, but we were all running around together, and that was a time of life where all I knew were my team SEALs. Um, that was my team, comma, SEALs, not team SEALs, SEAL teams, uh, team guys. Um, all I knew really was um, SEALs. SEALs, families, and bartenders. And that's pretty much it. So what we were doing, everyone else around us was doing, so it seemed normal. And that is uh, including going to war and putting bombs on walls and bombs on doors and uh, sometimes cutting through walls with chainsaws and shooting people, getting shot at, flying in helicopters, watching RPGs whistle past, calling in close air support, killing so it seemed normal. Anyway, if you know, you know already what the back of this shirt says. Um, 11 words. It's 11 words. If you can tell me in the comments exactly what the back of this shirt says, I will. And you can Google it or uh, hit Seeker up. S-E-E-K-R. That's a better search site. Better algorithm. Better artificial intelligence. Hit Seeker up. S. E-E-K-R. Do a search. See if you can figure it out. Someone somewhere has got to have a picture of this shirt somewhere. If you can tell me what it says, 11 words, uh, I will send you a signed copy of The Operator, the book, my first book, and I will also send you a signed copy of The Way Forward that I wrote with Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient, overall badass. But tell me what it says, and uh, you will get that. I probably won't repeat what it says, but if you're right, you're right. And if you know, you know. Uh, and I, I just, to be perfectly honest, I've been doing some spring cleaning because I got a baby coming, uh, and I'm going through stuff and I found, a, just a slew of old t-shirts in, um, in my garage in, in, in well-marked, uh, Tupperware, large Tupperware containers. Like I got the box of old pictures before the iPhone that used to take the little, uh, digital, not digital, disposable cameras. And you got to, um, take pictures there and then you got to get your film developed and that was always more fun when someone had those cameras because you could grab it when they're not looking to take you know get a picture of the toilet or you know pull open the trousers get a picture of the captain so they don't see it until they develop the film it's a barrel of monkeys for everyone to include the person who developed your film you go to like cvs or something they develop your film you get your pictures out but uh, yeah i found a lot of gems a lot of gems a lot of stuff politically not correct and this is back so i left the navy in 2012 so we were pumping out these shirts right around. Well, shit, we were still at the old building. So I guess that must have been around uh, 2009, 2008, 2009 is when we started. We, not we, a friend of mine, a very 
staunch Navy SEAL created these, and they sold like hotcakes, especially in that area. I got, I actually wore this shirt to a mall in Nafik after my 2007 summer deployment to Iraq, and uh, I, I actually got had someone come up to me that said he was offended by it. Um, and I can, I, at the time, I wanted to punch him in the throat or kick him in the shin, but now I'm now that I'm older and and um, more. It's a, more of a pleasure to be around me. He was probably right, and I was an a-hole for wearing the shirt. But anyway, good shirt. I found a bunch. I'll be wearing them every now and then. Actually, we should do something like uh, some sort of a giveaway, too, for some of these. Because, I mean, they're prices. There's, there's some good stuff. Funny shirts. I learned uh, when I was a SEAL team, too, I had a, a, my buddy Scott Neal, God rest his soul, and he was a big uh, uh, collect T-shirts from different places kind of guy. Everything from an Irish pub in, in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, to a Krispy Kreme donut in, uh, in Minnesota. And all that stuff. But, but I mean, Minnesota before the Somalis took over. But uh, back, speaking of Somalia, how about that? Did you see uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar said that as long as she is in Congress, Somalia will be safe? Not exactly how the Congress works, but that's how she rolls. And thank God none of us pays attention to anything. <laughs> so it's like, hey, wait a minute. She just said she's a Somalian first. Oh, wait. Hang on. Playoffs are on. Kardashians are on. I got to turn it to Bravo. Watch some of that funky because you're not really paying attention. Neither am I. But saw that. Um, Minnesota, crack at Minnesota. Just you know, I, I do love Minnesota. Minneapolis is great. Uh, I think the steakhouse in Minneapolis is called Manny's. And if you haven't been, go there. That I was able. I went up there. I was hosted by the uh, well, the Vikings, <laughs> and uh, they had the Gellerhorn. I was able to blow that one day. But I I went up there. They hosted me, and they hosted uh, Tim Montana and the Shrednecks. They were actually the Shrednecks at the time, but they dropped the Shrednecks. Now it's just Tim Montana because he's cooler than shit. Um, but we went up there. They sang the national anthem. I blew the Gellerhorn in front of like a hundred thousand of the coolest fans in the world. One of the coolest things I've ever done. But the Vikings uh, got me and Jessica into Manny's, and they told me there is a bone-in ribeye that's not on the menu, and they only got like they've only got a few of them every day. But if you can get your hands and lips and teeth around one of them, get one. They 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 hung on to two of them. We both I think we both had one. I'm pretty sure Jess might have had some of one. Big steaks. But uh, that's that. <clears throat> so we're going to get into a bunch of fun stuff like that. But first, I need to tell you about some of our sponsors of the show today. Very grateful to be working with um, my Patriot Supply. So listen up to this. You won't believe this, but Gen Z is probably more prepared than you are. Millennials, too. Recent research reveals a whopping 40% of Gen Z is preparing for the worst. That's twice of what Generation X, that's us, me, are doing. Are you shocked? Well, wrap it up. Gen Z knows something big is coming. So do you. The time to do something is right now because the world is getting crazier. We're on the brink of something. So start off by going to preparewithrob.com. Preparewithrob.com. There you'll find a rare special offer on a one-year emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Yes, a food kit large enough to get you through an entire year. My Patriot Supply has helped millions of Americans prepare for emergencies. They're ready to help you too. Sealed inside rugged four-layer packaging, they're delicious meals, and they are delicious. They last up to 25 years in storage and provide 2,000 calories daily. That's over 2,000 calories every day for a year at a special price of under $2,000, $2,000 for a year worth of food. This rare emergency food kit deal ends this week. You won't see it again soon, so get there right now. Go to preparewithrob.com. 
Free shipping is included. A year of food, free shipping, delicious meals. You will be prepared when you go to preparewithrob.com. And on the topic of delicious food, I need to talk about Moink. You've heard me talk about Moink before. The bacon is worth it. The bacon's outstanding. The breakfast sauce is outstanding. The steaks are amazing. All the meat is great. And uh, it's made in rural America by farmers. Moink, you got to check it out. 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by, guess who? The Chinese. And their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China. Weird. Yet you'll find it in your grocery store every single day. There's a better way, and that is Moink. Moo plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. As a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm simply does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent too. You choose the meat, deliver to your house in every box. And I'm talking ribeyes, Chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, much more. Plus, you can cancel at any time, but you're not going to want to. Moink is helping save rural America. If you control the food, you control the population. There are many ways to fight a modern war. This is one of them, and China is on it. Get on board with America. I love Moink. You will love Moink. Join the Moink movement today. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary said, Moink's bacon is the best bacon he's ever tasted. I'm sure I've mentioned that before. I agree, the best bacon I've ever tasted. And Ring Doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. Here's my new favorite saying. You'll dig it. Oink, oink. I'm just so happy I got Moink. Say that out loud. You'll never forget the name Moink. I love it. You're going to love it too. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now and listeners of this show get a load of this we'll get free bacon for a year why wouldn't you want free bacon for a year one year the best bacon you've ever tasted but for a limited time spelled m-o-i-n-k box.com slash the operator that's moinkbox.com slash the operator get your meat get your bacon go do it now moinkbox.com slash the operator oh dear so the um the big, the well, there's a lot of big news this week, but some of the news that should concern you, even if it doesn't yet, it will, is um, there's a border bill, they call it a border bill, that the Senate is going to be voting on today that was drafted, they say it's a bipartisan effort, which I guess technically it is. There's three senators who spent like four months drafting a border bill, which is nice that they do that because it really... The uh, not all the money, not even a majority of the money is going towards the border. It's going to other places, pet projects that senators love, like Ukraine. Um, but uh, they drafted a bill. It is bipartisan because it's uh, Kirsten Cinema, who is a former Democratic senator from Arizona. She's now independent, and she's actually probably the most reasonable on the left, as far as I can tell. But you know, what does that what does that do? And then uh, Chris Murphy is a Democrat from Connecticut, and then uh, James Lankford is a Republican from Oklahoma, and they drafted this bill, and it's getting some some heat now. It's 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 coming to light what's going on because, the, like I said, it's getting vo- – as of this recording, it hasn't been voted on yet. It should pass the Senate, but a lot of senators are up in arms 
about it now because the American people, believe it or not, are kind of wising up to how their money is being spent. And it is our money. It's your money, taxpayer money, where these people in Washington, D.C., they just it's it's um it's an open piggy bank and they can send money everywhere. That's what that's what politicians do. But uh, a lot of the voters are seeing this, and it is an election year for a lot of people, so they're paying more attention. Even even this administration is talking about, well, you know, we, we would close the border, but the damn Republicans in Congress or whatever. Now, keep in mind, um, President Biden, when he got into office his first day, executive order, he got rid of a lot of stuff that Donald Trump put in as far as a secure border, as far as um, remain in Mexico type stuff. And then with his new... Um, the new deals in place, people are seeing that it's a bet. It's it's now's the time is what they're saying to come across. And uh, President Biden obviously gets on TV and says, well, um, if the Republicans would just blah, blah, which is nonsense. You don't he doesn't need even need congressional approval. He could shut the border down now if he wanted to. But he doesn't want to because the people who actually run his party love open borders. And there's a number of reasons why they love uh, an open border. The first one is power. And always, you know, they say follow the money, which is true, but also go to where the power is. And that's, everybody wants power in D.C. D.C. is like this, it's like a magnet of narcissism. Is narcissism a word? And and um, chock full of sociopaths and a few psychopaths. And they're they're attracted to D.C. because of the power. Power is, uh, it, be, I mean, the type of power where, you you've been making a certain salary, um, you know, like one hundred seventy thousand a year. Yet your net worth is seventy five million, which happens. And I don't give a shit if you're really good at selling books. You don't really make that much money selling books unless you're Stephen King. But um, they get rich there, and they love this stuff, and and they 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 get to keep their power. The Democrats do, if they they see voters. They they love an open border because if you they, what they're trying to do they they know they have a they have had a minimum of four years of this administration whoever's running it four years to get as many people in this country as they can however they can from whatever country because if the people crossing leave their country the the people that are coming here you know to legit leave their country not uh, ISIS Al Qaeda uh, Islamic Jihad Hamas Hezbollah um, people like that but. Um, you know, just just wanting to get into this country, um, they're they're going to come here, and if they think that Biden or the Democrats brought him here, they're going to vote for them eventually. And that's um, what ten million illegals in three years that we know of are here, and that's that's a big number. That's a lot of votes if they're voting um, if they're voting Democrat. Also, the left has convinced themselves and a lot of people that the I don't even. I, it still baffles me. They, they, we're the only country in the world that teaches our kids in public school to hate their own country. No one else does that. But we're teaching our kids to hate America. And one of the things you'll hear is the uh, the patriarchy. The white patriarchy is the problem. The oppressors. Um, and if we can just flood this country with mass migration, we, we potentially get rid of the white patriarchy. That's what they're doing. That's what they want to do. And uh, power, get rid of the chaos. Or, or Sorry, add to the chaos that they want. And then hopefully, you know, between ballot harvesting and, and uh, all that nonsense and election interference, you know, uh, elections coming up in November. And they're even bringing that up now, too. Like they're trying to say they can close the border um, just because it's an election. You know, that's their only interest. They're not interested in you. And they don't care about your safety or your family's safety. They care about their power. They care about their party. So that's kind of the, the way that the um, the chain of command works for one person is my power. Then my party 
and then the rest is and then my bank account or my offshore bank account or whatever. But uh, it's th- this bill came out as 370 pages. Uh, you probably haven't read it. I haven't read the whole thing yet. It was I think it was released Sunday. That's you got to be a pretty fast reader to read all of it. But you know who is reading this? 370 pages. The cartels. And some of the language that the cartels have found in this is when they cross the border, um, some of the laws in this bill, you can get in if, if you bundle the people as families. So families fr- from any country and no documentation, no IDs, not a lot of passports, just people. And they can simply say, uh, well, this is the whatever family and you know here's the dad here's the mom here's the kids here's the seven brothers they're a family bundle and send them in they're reading it uh, unaccompanied minors by the way in automatically but i was uh, watching some tv this weekend one of the hot spots that they're crossing is about 60 miles east of uh san diego and it's about a four foot wide gap in a fence on this farmer's Land. They actually interviewed the farmer. He's an he's a legal immigrant from Yugoslavia, and he he um this there's it's like a cliff and there's a fence and there's a little spot and these people it's such a small spot through the wire that the the crew that was filming them like uh, they were losing hats on the wires and so were the migrants and you know helping each other out and nonsense. Uh, but this farmer because he came here legally like he said and he started a farm and he started to notice things a couple of years ago on his, on his uh, land, like um, what the migrants would. And I just hate that word too, the migrants, but they um, they'd show up and uh, build tents to sleep the night, then leave the tents there and just throw documentation. They don't need anymore because across the border they're, they're in here and uh, they were lighting fires. He would see smoke on his land and he walked out. It's his land. And he'd walk out there uh, and check it out. And I guess he was mentioning to a lot of these people that, uh, this is private property. You can't be on here. And they started to surround him like they were going to. I mean, who knows what a mob of desperate people can do. So he went back to uh, his house and he got his gun. And I guess he fired a few warning shots up in the air to, you know, let him know he's serious. This is my land. I'm protecting my private property. Well, those California police showed up and arrested him. So that's cool. That's that's the way we're we're rolling. But uh, so the bill, the bill came out and um, it doesn't help you. This isn't a border bill. The, it, it, it helps the migrants. It helps people crossing, but it doesn't do anything for you, you at all. And, and uh, some of the stuff that they're saying, like, 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 like I mentioned, they could, they could uh, he, President Biden doesn't need uh, congressional authority for this at all. But what the bill is saying sort of, I guess, and again, I haven't read the whole thing, was when it gets to a point of uh, 5,000 or more per day for a certain number of days, we can shut the border down. Okay. How that's um about three thousand miles of border from San Ysidro, which is right by San Diego, over to Brownsville, Texas. Three thousand miles, five thousand people. Who the hell's going to count those people? There's no way you can tell who's coming in and who's coming out. But we could do it there, and that's in the bill. Um, in this spending bill, it would uh, provide one hundred and eighteen billion dollars overall in funds for Ukraine, Israel. And Taiwan, and then the U.S. border, um, and humanitarian aid in, in war zones. So they're they're lumping everything together, and a, about half, around sixty billion dollars, is going to Ukraine. What? That has nothing to do with our border. We we keep complaining about securing. Uh, we they they complain about we need to secure 
Ukraine's border, but they're not doing anything with ours. So $60 billion is going to Ukraine, $14.1 billion going to Israel's security assistance, and $20 billion finally to uh, to go to our border policy. And then uh, there's $2.4 billion. These are billion. That's a lot of money. And, and again, we spend so much money all the time that billion doesn't... You don't even bat an eye at a billion anymore. We, we're used to saying trillions. But... Um, $2.4 billion for operations in the Red Sea where the Houthi rebels in Yemen have been shooting and stuff, and they're, they're doing that again. And we're, you know, we're, that, that's a very important part of the world because of the Suez Canal. And that's where a lot of the world's commerce goes through. And if the Suez shuts down the Red Sea, Gulf of Aden, if we have issues, which we're having there now, it could affect the economy, which is bad. We do need to do stuff there. But doesn't the Department of Defense have a lot of budget? Doesn't uh, don't our allies do a lot of stuff? But because we can't keep Alliance Solidarity for some reason, uh, nobody really wants to help. And um, so we're, 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 I'll get into a little bit of Ukraine and Israel in a second here, but I, I want to talk about our... our um, in this bill, there's also a measure, get a load of this, called the Afghan Adjustment Act, which would allow Afghans evacuated during the 2021 debacle to become permanent residents of the United States. That's 80,000 Afghans. That's a lot. That's a lot of Afghans. to bring. And, and the thing, too, that you gotta you got to figure... And I'm trying to say this as respectfully as I can because I've been to Afghanistan. I've met wonderful people there. I seriously have. I've met very welcoming people. They're, they're different than us. They live in a different century than you do. They're not listening to this right now because not only do they not have computers and the internet, a lot of them don't know what time it is. They don't know what time is. But bringing in an influx of 80,000 Afghans, even if they helped us, that's fine. That's going to that's gonna have a major effect. Like I was talking about Minnesota when... Uh, the Clinton administration was bringing so many Somalis over because of what's going on in Somalia, because that's lawless. Um, and now that there's that huge um, voting base that gets people like Ilhan Omar, essentially a member of Al-Shabaab, into Congress. And she even admitted, she said that uh, as long as she's in Congress, then Somalia will be fine. And that's that shouldn't be her first... There's nothing wrong with being proud of where you're from. And there's nothing... Look... As far as Somali Americans representing them, that's fine. But you, you throw eighty thousand Afghans into one place, they're not necessarily going to have the best interest of this melting pot, this experiment called the United States, in their minds. They can eventually, through legal immigration, there are courses and tests and stuff that you need to take. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of people do want to come here. But again, don't forget about the bad players that want to be here. Think about uh, the Chinese special forces that are here waiting waiting for um, the United States to do something when China invades Taiwan. And we're going to get into that later, too. When that happens, they're going to step up. What are they going to do? they got hackers. they got spies, infrastructure, drinking water, bridges. They're going to attack you. This matters to you. You might disagree with some stuff that I say politically or whatever. This is real. I've met these people. Growing up in Afghanistan, growing up somewhere in, in sub-Saharan Africa and coming here is a different world to what you're used to, to, you're used to your culture. And if you realize with the lawlessness, thank you, Democrats, to fund the police, uh, don't make it worth their while to defend anything. Cops get in trouble, can't even use a chokehold, which is pretty much the best way to subdue someone that's violent. You just put them down. You don't even need to punch them. Can't do that. So it's lawless. You can do anything. Um you can run or, I mean, coming from a place like that over here, like the streets of New York, and it's not even real to you. Just go steal stuff. How about those uh, migrants, migrants that uh, were in New York, and what they do is they steal stuff, and then they go back down to Florida, and they sell it there, and they come back to New York to steal. And someone, I think, asked them, why don't you, um, why don't you just steal in Florida? And they said, oh, because in Florida, you'll go to jail. There are laws there. 
But yeah, the uh, Afghan Adjustment Act, 80,000 Afghans, there's a documented Dreamers, which are a group of uh, primarily Indian immigrants who moved to the U.S. as children uh, when their parents moved here legally for work, just letting a lot of different people into the country. And we, we're not checking it. There, there, a lot, a, a, you know where a lot, um, a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these people leaving China, they fly into Ecuador because um, they don't require a visa for for uh, Chinese citizens. So you just fly there with nothing. You know what they do in Ecuador? They take a flight to Tijuana. Yeah, and they walk right across the border. And and there's so many people hiding behind the scenes, um, funded by you. They're called NGOs, non governmental organizations. And uh, they're facilitating a lot of this. Those are the people that you see in New York at the bus terminal, handing them care packages and credit cards and shaking their hands and welcome to America to these illegals. The first thing these people did when they got to the United States was break the law by coming into the United States. But these NGOs, um, there's not, not even a... See, this is the shady stuff with politics. It's like the lobbyists and it's like the unelected bureaucrats that I mention all the time. There's no universally agreed upon definition of an NGO. It's just a voluntary group on a social mission, blah, blah, blah. They operate independently from the government, but with the government. The funding's coming in from a lot of bad actors, um, and they exist in all, all parts of the world. And there's videos out there that show uh, NGO staff at shelters or hotels or airports or bus terminals. They refuse to answer questions. They don't say anything. Like you see them at the airport when there's boarded-up windows after you went through um, – TSA and got your testicles checked out, depending on who you are. You know, you walk past, you go through, and then there's windows that are, that there's rooms, paper over them, you can't see in, and there's all kinds of migrants in there that probably don't have passports, didn't get pecker checked. They're getting on a plane probably with you, and uh, you'll see these NGO staffers just start to get violent physically when you start filming them. They don't want you to see it. Why? They're, they're breaking the law. They're funded by the government. No one's paying attention because the Kardashians are on. Congress should be investigating and shutting down these uh, sanctuary NGO in the cities. And what I mean, even with the sanctuary cities, a lot of mayors from sanctuary cities are, are saying that the infrastructure of their city can't handle it. And instead of, instead of ditching the uh, sanctuary city rules, they just say, well, we need more money. And they get it. And who do they get it from? They get it from you. Check out your paycheck. I think you, you might get it twice a week. That's when you'll definitely see the government. You might not see them every day, but check out your, how much they withhold. Check out, do a little research on the taxes that you pay on your gas. Do, do some research on the, the, the embedded taxes you're already paying on everything and sales tax. There's taxes everywhere, and it's you're spending it. That's, that's why the uh, prices go up and they affect you. It doesn't affect them because money's not real. But it, it should concern you because a wide open border, the, 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 the this is a national security issue, and I, I know you've heard me say it before, and you've heard other people say it before, and it's a problem. Because people that don't have our best intentions in mind and want to hurt us, they have not forgotten about us. The bad guys have not forgotten about us. Al-Qaeda is still out there, and it's strong, and they're going to come here. And it's very, very easy for criminals to get weapons. Not easy for citizens to get weapons. But they're going to get them. And my prediction, this is sad, I think the first place they're going to hit will probably be a police station. Something like that just to throw everything off. And then where do you go? You go to the gun-free zone. There's no guns there. There's no one to defend anybody there. And we have guns and we want to kill you. And it's bad. And they're real. This is not just 
on the internet. This is not just on Instagram. This isn't you at home watching a uh, a video on Instagram of uh, some Russians getting killed by a drone and then commenting on Reddit and and cheering for it because you don't know what what actual violence is. It's coming here through the border. And all these politicians care about is staying in office and maintaining power. That should concern you, especially when it's time to vote. Don't vote down the line. Don't just hit the block because it says Republican next to them. Don't vote all the way down for straight D. Even with this bill here, this should not not be a, a big pork bill like they always do. You ever notice they get these huge, huge bills? And they, uh, usually on a Friday afternoon or evening, they shove it to someone. It's got to be signed really quick, and there's so much pork in there. Congress should be forced to vote on every single item. There should be a bill, a border bill, that talks about securing the border, period. Ukraine has nothing to do with our border. Taiwan has nothing to do, well, not really, until uh, China invades. And then we, if we defend them, and China's going to attack us here. They haven't fought a war since we were in Vietnam. And they're ready. Oh, you know what they've been doing, though? They've been watching. They've been watching what we do. They've been watching how we perform, when we win, how we win, when we lose, how we lose, when we evacuate, when we start getting senior officers with woke um, policies giving us rules of engagement that are asinine because they've never been in combat either. They're watching. They're watching everybody. They're watching Russia. They're seeing what happens in Europe and NATO. And they're watching here, and they're ready. And we have lost the last... 18 war games that we and our allies have come up with to simulate a war with China 18 times in a row. Is 19 lucky? Is it going to be the real one? We're fixing to find out in 2024. And the election is coming. We are months away, and it's going to be very, very entertaining. It always is to see the kind of shenanigans that are going to get pulled. And we do get political on this show pretty much every episode because I like current events. And um, that's about as current as you can get is the politics, is the races. Uh, Who's going to do what and say what and who's going to eat what brand of ice cream? But off of the ice cream um, subject, if you've been listening to the show for a while, first of all, thank you. I appreciate uh, you coming back. I hope you're having a good time. But you're also aware of the disaster I think Biden is making of the American retirement system. His overspending and overprinting of money alone are the two reasons that Americans' retirement accounts have lost 25% over the past two to three years. 25%. That's a lot to lose in your retirement. Did you know that the net loss on all retirement plans is $1 trillion and that pension plans have lost $3.3 trillion in quarter three of 2023 alone? We've talked about a trillion before. It, ta- it would take you 31.7 thousand years to count to a trillion if we're losing that in a quarter. How about this one? Under Biden, the average American family has lost $7,400 in annual income this year. That's 22000 in total net after-tax income that's been lost per household. In fact, 60% of Americans complain that their income has not kept pace with the increase in their everyday expenses, their household expenses because of inflation. For Americans who are planning to retire with $1 million in their IRA, that's $1 million, they have lost almost $250,000. That's a quarter of their retirement. Now Americans are faced with having to work a decade longer than they were planning or come out of retirement just to keep the lights on, to recoup your losses. You can prevent this, though. 
One of the surest ways I know is with gold because gold is a store of value and runs counter to the effects of Bidenomics. In less than two months, gold has risen, get a load of this, 14%. Believe me, I know the power of gold and what it can do for retirement accounts. Whether you prefer physical gold and silver or simply want to protect your IRA or 401k, I would trust the specialists, my friends at Allegiance Gold, who have the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry. You won't be disappointed. I know them. I've spent time with them. Their relationships are based on integrity, expertise, impeccable service. Here's a website to go to, protectwiththeoperator.com. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com today. Download my free wealth protection guide. It'll tell you everything you need to know about gold. Or you can call this awesome number, 844-5-US-SEAL. That's 844-5-US-S-E-A-L. Protect your retirement with Allegiance Gold, and you can get up to $5,000 of free silver on a qualifying purchase. Call them today. Begin your stress-free journey toward financial freedom. That website is protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com or call 844-5-US-SEAL. Allegiance Gold. And another thing, just as far as China is concerned, and I'm not trying to be a doomsdayer, but I do like to be a realist. <clears throat> Bad stuff is coming. The, the, Ch China, they have basically one goal right now, and that's to take control of Taiwan. They've said it before, and what is uh, President Xi says that he wants to restore China to its glory days because it, it uh, Taiwan they think is a part of China. We do not. That is that's a really big issue. That is what wars get started over, even if. We just kind of stumble into it because they're going to this is the election year, too. And uh, it can go a lot of different ways. I mean, because there are so many people out there that. Uh, that don't realize that that the people who cause the problem, i.e. the government, aren't going to be the ones to solve the problem. But we just keep reelecting incumbents after complaining for a few years, we put them back in office. But uh, China wants Taiwan because Taiwan makes 66 percent of the semiconductors that power all the stuff you like, computers, smartphones, TVs, um, sensors for your brakes in your car, um, ventilators at hospitals that became so popular during COVID, um, fighter jets, regular jets, commercial aircraft. A semiconductor is an electric brain that um, controls everything. And um, if, if they take Taiwan, China owns 66% of... Um, of them, 66% of energy being owned by China. Everything that we know would, uh, as far as cost, you think you're paying a lot now. Prices of things would double, if not triple, overnight if China takes Taiwan. And I'm not advocating for a war there either. Deterrence would help, but we don't have that right now. And uh, President Xi's in his third, fifth-year term, which is unprecedented. If China takes Taiwan, the markets are going to crash, basically overnight. And like I said, we've lost 18 straight war games with China. Semiconductors in the computing industry, um, uh, they produce microprocessors, memory chips, which are primary components in computers, servers, data centers. These devices are used in various uh, industries from, like I said, finance, healthcare, ventilators, uh, satellite stuff used to create wireless communication systems. Um, all Basically everything that we like, the semiconductors uh 
they do that. Use the production of solar cells, renewable energy. What if they get rid of our renewable energy because they own Taiwan? That'll get a lot of the environmentalists PO'd, huh? Automotive stuff, semiconductors in your car, healthcare, everything's important. And China would own all of them. That's bad. That's bad for all of us. What if, what if all the stuff that you wanted just started to cost more and more? I mean, inflation even goes higher. That's why they want Taiwan. And if we don't, <laughs> if we don't have, I'm telling you, it might be coming this year. They really want it. They're grasping at it. Um, and the, <clears throat> the same leaders in place, like I said, if they're causing the problems, they're not going to solve the problems. And and that even goes to uh, what we're doing in places like Yemen and Syria and Iraq. We lost uh, those American sh- soldiers in Jordan that were hit by suicide drones. It's coming out now, too, that we don't even have the proper defense systems in place in places like that to defend and then when we do lose three Americans and probably going to lose more, I think 40 were wounded, hurt pretty bad. Uh, we just hit these proxies. They love to say the word proxies, but we're never going to hit Iran proper. I mean, the, a war with Iran is on the horizon. And again, we're always talking war. And it's just, it, it's just because the, we're not the only ones with crazies in the government. There's crazies all over the world, too. They get in power, and they want to stay in power. And then they're, they're the ones starting the war. They're not the ones fighting it, either. They're the ones that start it and send younger people off, not their families. But if, if you want to be serious about regimes like Iran, you got to take out the leaders at the top. You don't need to go in there and build schools. We don't need to. Get, we don't need boots on the ground. But you do need. We do need to do something to decapitate the leadership. We did it with uh, Soleimani, killed him uh, at the same damn airport he landed in. Abu Bakr al Baghdadi killed him. Osama bin Laden killed him. Took us a while. Got him. But just hitting these like not only do we not care about the Houthis, Iran doesn't care about the Houthis, and the Houthis like when they were fighting Saudi Arabia for uh, I think ten straight years. The whole. Sunni Shia split that old chestnut. If you want to hear more about that, just tell me. I think I've gotten into it before, and I'm more than happy to explain what I think I know about it. But um, yeah, I mean, as long I mean, what do we have? Twenty five hundred to three thousand troops in Iraq still. We got people in Syria, out near Al Assad Air Base. I've been there before. I've been to Al Assad a couple times actually. Actually, we did one mission into Syria when I was in Al Assad with uh, when I was at Red Squadron. Did a whole flight out there, walk across the border into Syria. Think you're all cooler than hell. Not sure what the hell we're doing in Iraq, but we were there. Since we're in Iraq, we might as well go into Syria, see if we can get into a, a pretty good fight. But uh, again, it's the leaders at the at the um, at the at the top. It, we got to be able to take them out, and then stuff like Ukraine. Like, well, how about the thing with Tucker Carlson? When's that getting released? He interviewed Vladimir Putin. And a lot of people in power, I don't like to say you know, powerful people, people in power, a lot of politicians aren't happy with that. A lot of media is not happy with Tucker Carlson talking to Vladimir Putin because they've got everyone, um, you know, Putin bad. And I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a good guy. I got a 600-page book I'm looking at right there that I'm reading about Putin, not a good guy. But um, there's why why would you have a problem with interviewing him? Wouldn't you want to? Isn't that the job of journalist? You can interview. You should be able to interview anyone. I think we should talk. Definitely talk or hear from people. But uh, you got to figure what we're doing with in in Ukraine because well here's here's the thing too with Ukraine. Now we all know that Ukraine is is the most corrupt country in in Europe and it has been forever. I I've mentioned before that I was there in 1998 had a blast in Ukraine because we were working with a corrupt government and it's fun. And they had, um, shit, I mentioned this last week, uh, but they're corrupt. 
we need to keep it going, though, because a lot of the contracts that have been written by the military industrial complex aren't gone. And we need to keep funding stuff like that. So they're, they, they, they roll out words like democracy and the defense of democracy. They don't know what the hell they're saying. And a lot of us don't know what the hell we're listening to, but just defend democracy and keep pumping money into them. But what we're doing is we're turning Ukraine into a welfare state. And that's basically what NATO is. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but NATO is an well, it's an alliance where we've all agreed to pay um, two percent gross domestic product to stay in NATO, but there's only seven countries that are actually doing that. There's 30, 30 member states as of right now that meet that. So it's uh, us, the United States, Estonia, Latvia, Lit Lithuania. I call that the hotline for a reason. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. It's uh, you, if you go there, you'll know why. Uh, and Poland, they, uh, they're, they're paying their part because they understand what the Eastern Bloc is like and what communism is like. And then Greece is paying theirs and then uh, the United Kingdom. And then like uh, Croatia and France are close, but they're not paying it. And Germany's complaining too. Um, we're t you, the taxpayer, you, the American taxpayer, are basically paying Ukraine's government. So it's a second government you're funding. You're turning them into a welfare state. And they're going to say, well, if they if they roll through Ukraine, then they're going to roll into Poland. They're going to roll into Germany. And then uh, your kids, we're, Chuck Schumer said that, we're going to have to send your kids over there to fight. I'm not buying that either. First of all, Poland is not Ukraine. Poland knows what it's like, and they're going to fight. And Germany, the hell are you complaining about? If you're so worried about Russia rolling over, you know, hey, I don't know if you've noticed Germany. You've been in a few wars before, too. Get your shit in order. Get your house in order. Not America's problem. Like it or not, Russia rolls through Poland and Germany. I'm over here in the U.S., man. I got a, I got a whole Atlantic Ocean. Yet, and all they do is complain, complain to us. And then, and then they have unchecked migration, too. I saw a video, and I actually had to laugh at it because it was so ridiculous. There was some dude from the Middle East who has no respect for Germany, if you can imagine. A bunch of these people that just roll in um, don't really care about the country, but they do love the benefits. It was actually kind of funny the way he was talking to a buddy and he said, Oh, where are all the Germans? And he goes, well, they're at work. And they laughed. You know why they're laughing? Cause the Germans are working and then they're reaping the benefits. And that's what we do. But that's the problem. What we're, what we, we happen to be doing with uh, just throwing money at people and don't think for a second, they're not skimming off the top. Zelensky, we've talked about him a bunch, but um, I don't think even if they do get, into and through Ukraine, they're going to roll into Poland. I don't think they should fight Poland. And then Poland and Germany are NATO countries, and we are obligated to, to um, you know, help them out. But Germany's got like the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world, and they're not paying their their fair share. And NATO is only supplying us with more people who rely on us. Europe, step up. I know there's people in Europe over there right now. Step up. The, all, all that NATO and Ukraine right now, they're just basically more applicants for welfare. But they're not the only crazy ones. We've got our our own stuff going on um, over here as we get further and further woke. And then we're expected to play along. I think people are catching up, though, a little bit with... Because we can lie to ourselves enough, but eventually the truth is going to come out. It's like the the whole thing with conspiracy theories, and we've heard it a lot that they're conspiracy theories until they come true. When they do, it's not that hard to see what's going to happen if you tell. The, it's it's a lot easier to just tell the truth than to try to lie to people, especially about stuff that's so. I mean, even one side blatantly 
selling falsehoods, but saying you need to believe the science. And we've all seen there. I don't want to necessarily go down that rabbit hole right now, but you see it and they're crazy and the crazies get loud. They just start screaming and calling you, you names. I, I saw a story that I shouldn't, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's so ridiculous. Um, I, I laughed. There was a, it's up in Canada, up in Toronto. There was a, in quotes, a women's volleyball match between Seneca College and Centennial College in Toronto. And it's important because, I mean, for the entertainment value, it's worth watching. Not just what happens on the court, but what happens after, off of the court, in the hallways when reporters try to ask questions. These two colleges are playing, and there's a total of five dudes playing three on one team, two on the other. And I'm not saying transgender. I'm saying straight up dudes. These guys, they've taken no, there's, there's been no, uh, no medicines have been taken to affect their sex. And they, you know, they have other bits and pieces and, uh, five guys dressed up as girls, women. And they played, um, they played a match where the five dudes were on the court the entire time. And the women were substituting out, but the um, the the these are dudes <laughs> that are just on the court, and they dominated the the the, the five guys three on one side, two on the other. They stayed on the court the entire time. Women were subbing out, but what they're saying is some of these uh, players are like hijacking scholarships. Some of them are scholarship athletes, and they're using this as a um, as a way to get free college. But they're taking it away from women. And what about there were women who 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 are playing and if you're playing in college sports that's great you're obviously good at what you're doing it doesn't really matter at which level if you're playing a college sport you went to the next level but some of these women aren't even getting in because there's guys on the court so they're missing out on their opportunity to play some women are are are, um missing scholarships giving giving it to someone else when these like men are dominating women's sports now and you're not allowed to say anything about it you get you get uh, thrown under the bus. I mean, people are saying stuff about it, like normal people, just not online, and uh, not, you know, not on social media and stuff. But <laughs> this this uh, a reporter went up there to watch the game, and there were women that have to get medical treatment from getting the ball spiked on them so hard by dudes. Uh, these these guys dominated the serving and the spiking, if you can imagine. And they were on the court the entire time, and then afterwards, there was a reporter that was trying to. Um, interview them and they they did the typical screaming at the guy and calling him whatever and uh just say like they're trying to defend what they're i don't know the a lot of this generation are so brainwashed they're believing their own filth but but uh sorry about that that was just a a blast from my computer my computer's yelling at me um they're they're so wrapped up in their own bullshit they start yelling at the reporters asking questions and one of the and i don't know if it was a player or a fan but typical um skinny little person yelling and, and all this person was saying was uh i don't give a fuck what you have to say you white piece of shit it's like well see that was almost racist as far as i'm good i don't care if you call me that i'm sure this guy didn't care either but you're out there part of their mission statement um from centennial part of it is uh, integrity equity and diversity i don't think that's very there's not much integrity if you're literally letting guys dress up as girls and dominate their sports and, and you're sending people to the hospital, but you know, there's the typical, they don't want to talk about it. They're yelling at it and they're, they're playing the victim card. And obviously it's the white guys fall for asking, but that's, I mean, if I, I've got a daughter coming, another daughter coming, I'm not going to let her compete against guys. 
And and you and you shouldn't be taking away scholarships from women. Where are the feminists? What guys are taking women's spots and they're dominating their sports and setting records. And and then you people like Riley Gaines who spent her entire life swimming and then she's the bad guy. Why? But this is down is up, up is down. The, and but it's it's um the the word they use is equity, and that's not even because equity is not like equality. Equity is you're guaranteed the same result, not the opportunity to start. And the same result is if guys are beating women, that's not the same result. Not, I don't think it's fair to women. And I'm a father of daughters. They, they uh, And in the name of equity, they, they just had an all-female um, SWAT team at a SWAT competition over in the Middle East. I think it was Dubai. And it's kick-ass, a SWAT competition. And it was, um, I think it was Chile that put, uh, there were five all women's teams there, but there's one um, clip in particular where uh, they're, sh- they're they're showing these these um, an all an all women's team competing, and the fr- so it's like an obstacle course. Like if you've been in the military, you know what an old course is. If you haven't, you've probably seen uh, like war movies in basic training like if god wanted you up there he'd have miracled your ass up the obstacle but these five women started off and the first one the first obstacle is a zip line and it's maybe 20 yards long 20 meters long which should take you six seconds so you run up to your thing and you're carrying you got your guns some of your kit maybe and one of them had a sniper rifle and an all-women's team and they're going to crush this because women can do anything and um they got to the zip line and um, they, they simply because I think by watching it, I don't think some of them uh, weighed enough to to have the zipline go all the way across. The first woman made it across, and then the other four or five, they got stuck in the middle, and they actually held on. It was impressive how long. I mean, it's it's hard to hold on to something for as long as they did. But this obstacle took the men's team. I saw like the men's team from Poland. They they negotiated the obstacle in about three seconds, which you should. It took the women six minutes to not pass it. And they were dropping their guns, sniper rifles into the pool. Like it's an ice bath below you, this long pool. And they're dropping their rifles, their weapons, like major safety violations. You can't drop your guns. They're dropping them. They're trying to run around and help each other. And they just couldn't get across the, six minutes to not pass the first obstacle. It just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the place. Um, they, they just, I don't know. They couldn't compete. It was, it was, I felt bad for them, but that, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. Just it's, they, can't compete with the men. It's just, that's just the way it is. They simply didn't weigh enough to to get across the obstacle. So that wasn't um, not a good look. It's on Twitter. It's worth watching, but it's painful. They they ended up fishing their guns, their weapons, their primaries. I'm talking sniper rifles out of the water with with uh, fishing nets. Not a good look. But that's that. And then I saw another one too. I think people are catching up to some of this stuff where normalcy might be coming back. There was a woman from West Hollywood that went on a date with a dude. And she said it was a guy, like a, a man's, she called him a bros bro. And she said she was a bisexual woman. Great. In um, Hollywood. She went on a date with a real guy and he like insisted on paying, but you know, even when he went to the bathroom, she wanted to buy a round of drinks because he'd been buying all night. And he gave her um, his card and said, here's my card, get us whatever. And he went to the bathroom and she said, and I could feel the feminism leaving my body. Cause it's kind of cool to be with a, a man and not with one of these uh you know skinny fat feminists <laughs> we all agree to to pay the to split the bill dude showed up he paid the bill she kind of liked it i'm just saying there might be there might be a place for men and women I, and again i'm not trying to judge your lifestyle but simply saying that people can do stuff as well as other people based on how you feel just simply isn't true
I mean, the Polish guys crushed the obstacle. The the the, the women couldn't do it. And just, I mean, I'm not making, I'm not trying to make fun of them, but it's just kind of like, all right, you do you. I'm not judging it. It just you didn't you didn't um, you didn't crush it. Get that sniper rifle out and probably clean it because it fell in the water. You shouldn't have done that. But anyway, that's that. And then um, you know that's just kind of going around the country. That's not even around the country, around the world. But that's that's kind of an example of feeding each. And that a lot of this comes too with just with the social media. Like I mentioned, I, I talked about that uh, that hole that four foot hole in the fence that the illegals are crossing to get into this country which is very very dangerous because other people are coming to and we're going to find that out too it's going to that's that's some more truth that's going to smack us right in the face but the way they found that hole these all these migrants are rolling through the hood and uh go through a hole they, they found the hole because it was on tiktok and that's a chinese algorithm and they're doing that to um you know tiktok is helping and it's going to get you through the fence and that fence could potentially be dangerous. Um, and, and, and it almost brings me back to the truth, too, of um, we, we lost a couple of heroes in the last few days to cancer. Bob Beckwith, I, who I met before, was the famous firefighter who was, on the, who was at Ground Zero with President George W. Bush when, when, when he stood next to him and President Bush had his arm around him and had the megaphone. And they said, we can't hear you. Well, I can hear you. The, the, you know, the, the rest of the world were hear all of us soon, the people who knocked these buildings down. Famous quote, I, I butchered it, but a, a great time in American history when America came together on 9-12, right around, you know, a, a, after 9-11. And Bob Beckwith was a firefighter. He served in the Navy during Korea, and then he was a firefighter for 30 years. This is a phenomenal guy, great moment in time. He was even saying when they were standing there, they couldn't even hear each other, but President Bush kept the uh, retired firefighter up there. And, uh, you know, it's etched in, etched in time. So we lost Bob Beck with a, a hero, FDNY, U.S. Navy. We also lost Toby Keith to cancer. He was battling stomach cancer for a while, and that was uh, that I was shocked to wake up because to me he he always seemed like a bigger than life type guy, patriot, American from Oklahoma, um, Red Solo Cup, uh, writing songs about trucks and beer and and uh, horses, just awesome. He he wrote uh, courtesy of Red, White, and Blue, which was a song that came out. Right, he wrote it right after nine eleven. Uh, I guess he wrote that song in honor of his father, who was in the army and a veteran, and treated um, taught him what it was like to to uh, uh, hang the American flag, be proud of your country. Which you know, especially right after nine eleven, everybody was, even the politicians, they were more scared. And they didn't have shit to do inside because the stock market was closed. They, you know, they can't be hedging their bets. But they were all outside, Democrats and Republicans singing "God Bless America," because we got attacked. Because reality hit us in the face, which it will again. Um, and it just, it to me, to lose someone like Bob Beckwith and Toby Keith, and and to hear because when we heard "Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue," I know that I it, it still gives me goosebumps with the way the song starts. And the way that it's uh, even the part where we'll put a boot in your ass is the American way, and you can tell that was sort of. Uh, we weren't near as woke then as we are now. And not we, I mean you. <clears throat> but uh, even people like the Dixie Chicks got offended because uh, um, the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, I think her last name is Mays, Natalie Mays. Is that right? If I screwed that up, I apologize. I don't have it in my notes. But you know, she was upset with President Bush and said she didn't like him. That's fine. Your politics, you don't like war. I don't like war. I did at the time. Um, but she had a shirt. I think she wore to an award show that said F U T K, and it was it stood for something about Toby Keith. But it was they kind of bullshitted about that. But uh, you know, it was and again, it was just uh, disagreeing with lyrics and whatnot. But 
Yeah, it was a great it was a great song at a right time, and I think it came out in May of two thousand two, and that's back when we were crushing Al Qaeda and the Taliban. That's back when we did let Americans fight the way we can fight before we started trying to build schools and just keep the money flowing in. Um, but I think it's a lot of the generation right now that we're seeing in college. I mean, I think a lot of this generation, at least as far as social media, I don't know them personally. Um, a lot of them are lost because they've been taught bullshit by communist teachers, and it's we're seeing the effects. And the problem is. I think reality is on its way coming through the border that they want to open for whatever reason, because they don't like the, um, the way the country's being run, but it's, you know, it'll be here, but I wish not, I, I don't want them to live through nine 11, but I wish they could have seen nine 12. A lot of people this age, a lot of the dudes on the volleyball court probably weren't even born when we were attacked on nine 11. I mean, even to the point where you can't even, you, th- there are a lot of people out there who, who don't even think nine 11 was real. They thought it was orchestrated, not realizing it was actually 19 hijackers from Al Qaeda who hate us and they weren't dumb people they were educated it was planned out it didn't all work out the way they wanted but we were attacked and it got us crushed in new york pennsylvania and washington dc and then we went to fight but that feeling of patriotism from people like bob beckwith and toby keith and hearing the song courtesy of the red white blue the angry american just the realization if if you, it it, it kind of it makes you realize that we do have people here that will fight. We do have people here that do their part. Toby Keith wasn't in the military, but he did his part as a patriot. He wrote those songs, American Soldier and uh, the Taliban song. <laughs> and then the courtesy of the red, white, and blue, back when we knew what it was like to fight and have deterrence and uh, believe in the red, white, and blue. And uh, it's just a time now that a lot of these people are, are they read it like the history books. They read it like uh, Pearl Harbor. It, it, it and and you know i mean yeah that you know time flies and it goes by fast that real people live through that real people through, live through 911 but then we get to a spot now where something is uh as odd as january 6th the insurrection when they're saying the greatest threat to the democracy since the civil war which is complete nonsense we'll do a we'll do a thing on uh on on that later but back on 912 to um 2001, there was patriotism. When I, I was actually in Germany, I just left Kosovo, Germany, came back here to see all the, everyone was hanging American flags. Now we're at a time because of woke ideology that if you see an American flag outside of a house, chances are they're voting Republican. And I'm not, please don't think that I'm, I'm campaigning for the Republicans. I am an independent and I don't like poli- politics, but I'm just saying it, it seems the further right, the more patriotic. Now you can't even uh, – we've got students out there being taught by communist professors that the American flag is a sign of racism. And that's ridiculous because this is a uh, – and they're, they're trying to divide uh, – they're just they're trying to divide, divide, divide. And I ad nauseum keep talking about how they just put you in different categories. And they're making them more and more. That's what they do with the – with the pronouns and the different genders and the Z Zang Zang stuff and all that crap, they're trying to divide you. That they're going to play the black national anthem at the at the uh, Super Bowl when they should just play the national anthem because everyone's there, and everyone's part of this melting pot. But they want to divide, even if they have to make it up. And um, yeah, you know, it's just a great songwriter like Toby Keith. It sucked to see him leave. Like I said, larger than life. Um, but he was a patriot. Bob Beckwith is a patriot, and I just you know if if we could I. I my friend Dakota Meyer always said that uh, I don't want another 9-11, but I'd love another 9-12. And again, just with um, don't be afraid to hang that flag and tell the truth. And if you do that, you're never out of the fight.